Well, happy Monday, everybody. What's going on? It's Suits from the KVJ Show at 97.9 WRMF. And thank you so much for jumping in with us here on Fox Sports 640. Talking some NASCAR and flag to flag. And as always, my co-host, Kristen Schaffaletti, in here with me. Kristen, what's going on? Happy Monday. Oh, hey. So, we had some good racing once again this weekend. A much different feel at the track than last weekend with the chaos that was the race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But I'll tell you, you know, Auto Club Speedway, this is a much wider facility. We have a ton of room to run, and we saw that on the restarts. I mean... Five wide on pretty much every single restart, and this is probably the only place where you'll watch that go down and literally like freak out. Almost all the way to the grass. I think sometimes they were literally <laughs> like, might have been touching the grass. Right. Some of those moves, well, you know, it, it's something we kind of see at Daytona and Talladega, but it's very prevalent here. It's that closing rate mm-hmm. that we've been seeing with these cars, especially when you have two cars side by side poking just such a huge hole in the air and that car that's coming behind them in third, fourth, whoever it may be, they get such a massive run. It's as if you really can't even slow down and stay behind them. I mean, Denny Hamlin was pushing on Kyle Larson at one point. Mm-hmm. He turned him into the wall trying to give him that push because there's just such a difference. And I think what you saw was Kyle Larson had to slow down because there was a car in front of him that didn't have the same level of momentum going on corner entry. And Denny Hamlin just couldn't anticipate that, turned him right into the wall. And that was kind of the theme of the day as far as these big moves we saw. You had to take a risk to honestly avoid crashing the guy in front of you. Right. If you didn't take the risk, you were just causing an accident pretty much with that closing rate. So it provided some interesting racing. I'll tell you what, though. Alex Bowman didn't have to deal with much of that. Yeah. He just Stop. chilled out front. <laughs> what a day for the 88 team. 110 of 200 laps were led by Alex Bowman. And this has got to be a huge shot in the arm, not only for Chevy and Hendrick, but for Alex Bowman, too. You know, your first win is great. But your second win proves it's not a fluke, and that's what they were saying to him after the race. Mm-hmm. For Alex Bowman, this has got to be massive, right? You could just tell. And the, after the um, after the race interview, he was like, "This is great," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man!" It, we always talk about how like the feel good of when they interview after, and they're so excited. I you don't know. I could that. just I could just tell he was like, "This is awesome." I mean, I don't blame him. It's, it's a big win for Alex Bowman. The of course. The number one thing that you think about when you win early in the season, you are in the playoffs. Yeah. So now Alex Bowman and company can focus on the rest of these races, just trying to get wins, trying to build playoff points and, you know, get that uh, cushion for when we come around uh, to uh, is it going to be Darlington this year to start the playoffs in September with the Southern 500. So getting it out of the way early, that's got to be the perfect situation for any of these teams because they can really focus without having as much pressure for the rest of the season. But but aside from that, to even do it for Hendrick, like with the struggle. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last weekend. Hendrick Motorsports was very impressive. Toyota was not. And we, we touched on it. Okay, this is only one race. Right. But, but coming from last season. Which was terrible. And, and Chevy's made changes. You know, we have a whole new front end on the Camaros. And we've had a full off season to try and work on some of these issues, which really, it wasn't just last year. Chevy has been struggling for the last couple of years. We've seen that downturn, and it's not just with Chevy kind of knocking off a win here. This was Chevy and Hendrick as a whole running better. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, Mm -hmm. the feel-good story, coming back to Fontana on his home racetrack, being from uh, El Cajon, California. And doing um, good. And running well, you know. I mean, getting on the front row. And by the way, a crazy stat about Jimmy Johnson that I did not know as we wrap up his final start at Auto Club Speedway. Mm Mm-hmm. Since 2002, and we used to have multiple races a year there, all the way through 2013, I believe it was, Jimmy Johnson finished every single lap at Auto Club Speedway. It was over 5,000. He never finished a race, even a lap down, 
That's, That's impressive. impressive. <laughs> to think that, I mean, we're talking almost 20 years worth of races at this racetrack, and he never even finished one lap down, let alone had a DNF or anything. anything right. That is incredible, and you see why Jimmy Johnson was, I mean, not only just being his home track, but just being such a big deal with the performance. I mean, six wins at this racetrack, and then to be on the front row, they had his family up there in the flag stand to wave mm-hmm. the green flag, so he got a good view of it. Just seven one-thousandths of a second away from that pole. I have a feeling that half of the people on Twitter were already writing their NASCAR is rigged for Jimmy Johnson tweet. And then as soon as he didn't get the pole, had to erase it because that was so close at the end. And then Clint Boyer, you know, I mean, the race didn't quite go the way he was hoping, but shout him out for the pole because Clint Boyer was only his fourth pole in a 10 plus year career. Yeah, definitely not somebody I would have put on the pole. No, he was not my pick for the pole. <laughs> Alex Bowman was my pick. I thought he was going to grab the pole because he was so fast in both practices and he was very good in the long runs, which we saw in the 10 lap averages, the 20 lap averages, and clearly that led us in the right direction because Alex Bowman dominating fashion to win this race. And when you look at the finishing order of the Chevys, three of the top five were Chevys. And you had, you know, Kurt Busch was up there. Uh, Jimmy Johnson ended up with a sixth place or seventh place finish, rather, ran in the top 10 most of the day. Um, Chase Elliott was in the top five there. Really, the only disappointing run for Hendrick was William Byron, who uh, did not score a top 10 finish. But, you know, with Kurt Busch mixed in there and these other Chevys, that's great to see because it's not just Hendrick. Mm -hmm. These other Chevy teams are picking up. I will say, though, the surprise of the race for me and not in a good way, Kyle Larson. A Chevy team, his teammate was in the top five with a third place finish. And we know Michigan and Auto Club Speedway, you know, there's a knack that Kyle Larson has for these racetracks. I had him in my He was a solid in pick. my top five. And I, I swapped absolutely. him out. And was honestly that was the I think the right no, call right, because but I, I was shooting for him too. Well, he's somebody that before the weekend, you say, all right, going to this racetrack before practice and everything, who do I need to look at? Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. Right. Those are two guys that I look at right away. And Kyle Larson, they got to be kicking themselves a little bit leaving this racetrack. They had a top 10 qualifying effort, ended up a lap down, finished in the 21st position, just a disappointing day all around. And, you know, especially when your teammate runs up front and has a good day, gets a third place finish. That makes, makes it you even, wonder. Right. It, it's even right. more of a crappy feeling, honestly, at that point, because you know that the car is not are like good both enough. of you went down together. <laughs> yeah, we know how different these teams work in their individual setups, right. but still, I got to imagine when your teammates run well and you're not able to, that that's a really crappy feeling for these drivers. Um, Because you know it's possible. You know your equipment is good enough to do it. And we know Kyle Larson, especially at Auto Club Speedway, is good enough to win that race. So really a disappointing day. That's not really what I expected to see. Um, In the top five, all three manufacturers represented it up there. Um, And the big one for me, we had Kyle Busch finish in second place. And, you know, we talked about the Toyotas, especially last week. Forget the good run of the Chevys. The bad run of the Toyotas was the story. Because not only have they dominated every track, but... They dominate the intermediates, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to imagine last week we were not the only two that were shocked to see no. Kyle Busch in 14th as the best finishing Toyota. Right. Yeah. No. When he was he was even complaining, not complaining, but he was like hesitant, saying like second still wasn't good enough for him. 14th. Yeah. I mean, last week was terrible. That's right. And he's the best Toyota. It's not just Kyle Busch had that. Right. That was the best Toyota in the race. And, and to Kyle Busch's point, they got a second place finish. That's good. But I believe they had very slightly fresher tires at the end, not by much. Um, And that might have been the run before, honestly. But, you know, they did not run well in this race. Kyle Busch qualified in 17th. And I believe, again, he was the best qualifying Toyota 
starting back in the 17th position. Then you go ahead and you look at the course of the race. Yes, Kyle Busch was in second. Denny Hamlin, uh, I want to say, was the sixth position right there at the end. Yes, Eric Jones was the other one in the top 10 with the 10th place finish. But really, they were not a factor up front for most of this race. They hung between 10th, 15th, Kyle Busch especially. And then late in the race... Here we get to this position where they rebound, they come through the field, and Kyle Busch has a great finish at a track that he has a fantastic record But even for Kurt, Kurt. Well, Kurt's at the Chevy, though, but, underneath But him. both of them. Great run. Yeah, Kurt right. was not up front most of the race compared to where we saw some of these other right. guys. So a great finish for Kurt Busch. But as this race is progressing, i got to tell you, I was not feeling too good about Toyota halfway through this race. We, we were both saying, I was on the edge. I, I was saying I feel like they're going to come back. There's there's too much that they have under their under their hood that they can't dominate with. We've seen it, like we just said. But well, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a work in progress. Like Kyle even said in the interview, there's still a ton of stuff that needs to be done. I look back to what we were saying last weekend. It's like okay, yes, they they ran bad. Yes, right. Chevy ran good, but this is one race. How do we determine their performance based on an individual race? Right. It, it makes it so difficult. And the finishes were good for Toyota. That being said, I think Kyle Busch is right. They know that they should be leading laps, that they should have more cars in the top 10, that they should be as consistent as possible. And they weren't. The finishes were good. They made a bad day feel much better. But Kyle Busch is right. Something is off to start the season with Joe Gibbs Racing. It's early. Next weekend is a completely different ball game because right. we are going from the intermediate track to a short track, which is a brand new package that we're going to touch on a little bit uh, later here on the show. Right. But for Kyle Busch and company, I think that they're looking past the West Coast swing. We have Atlanta, we have Homestead, and then we have Texas right after that. I think that. you have to now. You can't You can't stay stuck in the past now, like you just said, because there's three different tracks ahead of you yeah this is the test yeah because yeah this weekend is an important race in phoenix especially being the new championship track but three intermediates in a row three mile and a half tracks right after that and we're really going to get a feel for how these cars are going to run keep in mind too granted we have a different date so different weather conditions but it's still florida it's still going to be hot we're going to homestead miami speedway in a couple of weeks right here in our own backyard kyle bush was very good as he won the championship in this race last year with a dominant performance. How are they going to be there? That's a big question mark. We know that Toyota's been very good at Texas in the last few years. And then, of course, you know, like I said, you got a different ball game after that. We start and going like, to different And like you were saying last week, right, like you were saying last week too, though, if something doesn't change between now and these next three races, you know there's actually something going on. Yeah. Two races, now we hit those next three. That's a pattern at this point, and it's something that we haven't seen out of Toyota, frankly, in years. Right. So, interesting to see how Toyota is going to perform coming up this, uh, or not quite this weekend, but over the next few weeks as we go through the rest of March. And if they are going to just kind of say, all right, we had a couple of bad weeks, here we are, we're right back in the hunt, or are we going to see Toyota maybe have a rough start to the 2020 NASCAR season. I will say what's good to see, because we want the manufacturer parity. That's what we hope for. Mm-hmm. Three races, all three manufacturers have got to win so far this season. So nobody can totally be put out yet. Yeah, the only thing with Toyota, their win was the Daytona 500, and we all know 
You can't How base about, overall yeah. performance on Daytona and Talladega. You have to base all of that on the intermediates and every other track right. that we go to throughout the bulk of this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that will um, line up for Toyota in the coming weeks. Speaking of Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing, Martin Truex Jr. had an up-and-down day, and he's getting a little hate today. I'm curious, Kristen, what you think on his thoughts during the course of the race. So first and foremost... Three times Martin Truex Jr. failed pre-qualifying inspection, and that means that you're getting people ejected from your team from the Mm -hmm. track. Uh, And the most important thing for the moment right there, Martin Truex Jr. wasn't even allowed to take a qualifying lap. Not even just go to the rear. Didn't get a good pit pick, anything. So he starts at the back of the field. Definitely hinders him early on because you got a long way to go. Now, he did get to the lead at some point during the race. The finish was not exactly where they were hoping for. They did not, I believe, get a top 10 finish at the end of the day. So here's the thing, though. Martin Truex Jr. was hot under the collar a lot of this race with the way he was being raced. And, you know, a lot of people immediately jump on you when you do that, because at the end of the day, we're racing. And when people complain about being raced hard, you're going to get hit. What are you doing? It's like, of course, you're being raced hard. (laughs) This is a NASCAR race (laughs) in the Cup Series. That's what you're supposed to do. But, uh, you know, Martin Truex Jr.'s comments were interesting to me because the cars that he were mad at was mad at Denny Hamlin and Eric Jones which are his teammates. Mm-hmm. So to be a fly on the wall of the Monday meeting at Joe Gibbs Racing probably would have been fun. I would have enjoyed that. I, I don't even want to know, want to know if I want to know. Oh, come on. <laughs> you, all, you want to know the drama. You want to know what's going on. Don't lie to me, Kristen. We all want to know what was going on in that meeting. Um, so his frustration, though, seemed to stem from, as he's racing his teammates, and, and we're not at a point in the race where we're close to the end when we were talking about this. This is maybe midway, somewhere in there during the race. We saw these Gibbs cars were kind of glued to each other and in close call situations throughout these long green flag runs, you know, three of them were kind of always in the same spot at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Martin Trix Jr.'s frustration seemed to be, yes, I'm faster than them. And here comes that big run. We talked about it just a few minutes ago. When you get two cars side by side, if you can't clear them right away, now the guy that's behind you is going to get a huge run and blow by you. The other thing is making a pass is difficult when you have someone on the high side. You go into the corners at Auto Club Speedway, you're right on someone's rear bumper, they take the high line, they keep the momentum. You dive to the inside much shorter distance, so you gain a ton of ground, but you got to do that slide job-esque move where you come up in front of them, and then next thing you know, they get a massive run off the corner, you cross them over. Yeah. And it just kind of goes back and forth for a little bit. You have to try and maintain momentum on the high side, without them gaining too much ground from the run, you know, work on the side draft. It's really an interesting process, and it made for great racing. The the frustration that we saw out of Martin Truex Jr. was he felt, okay, I'm faster than you guys. It's early in the race. You're my teammates. Why do you keep crossing me over when I'm clearly the faster car? And I'm getting annoyed by this now because you're racing me like crazy. We're on the same team. I'm faster, and there's nothing to gain right at this moment. Does Martin Truex Jr. have a right to be angry? Uh, Yes. That's just like on the turnpike. Get out of my way if you're in the fast lane and I'm coming up on you. So you think that... Regardless, just move out. Like you just said, it's early on. If the other guys can make ground, change their car, tweak their car, whatever, and come back and want to race Martin, have at it. But for right now, unless you want to get plowed like into the (laughs) wall, move. I mean, come on. Does it make it different if they weren't teammates in your eyes? Yes. Do you expect a little more give and take? Yes. And, you know, I think that is an understandable thing. You're, you're supposed to race hard. And when you're early in the race, though, you need to have a certain level of respect. So I can see his right. frustration to an extent. But at the end of the day, you're always going to get hate from people when you complain about being raced hard. 
I'll tell you what, though. I found the video on uh, on YouTube, but I quite enjoyed it. It kept me entertained. I was watching it uh, Sunday before the race. It was 17 minutes of uncensored NASCAR radio chatter. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go after Truex for being a crybaby, right. you better get the whole entry list and go down and send tweets about every single one of them. And because everybody the gets mad and hot under the collar for that kind of stuff during the course of a race. Whether they're right or not, you're in the heat of the moment. So right. I really think you got to back off of Truex acting like he's being such a crybaby during the course of the race. Because frankly... Everybody does that. You're just hot under the collar in that moment. But but aside from that, I'm, nobody's saying like, okay, obviously you might give up the position, but if you're keeping close quarters on them and you're racing, and like I said, if you can get your car up to speed with them, then have at it. Early in the race, drivers being frustrated by drivers who are slower, giving them a hell of a fight for position, you're always going to see them get frustrated. When it's a teammate, there's an extra level, like you said, because right. you expect a little bit more respect from your teammate. Late in the race, game on. Close to stage ends, and you're anywhere in contention for the stage, game on. But I do think at that moment, if I recall, this was a battle for about 15th. So I think that was also part yeah. of the frustration for Martin Truex Jr. And very vocal on the radio. That, you're not even that high up yeah, in standing, yeah. Well, speaking of frustrating runs, one guy has been really good in 2020 and has found every single way to unfortunately not win the race. I'm talking about Ryan Blaney. We'll break down his day coming up right after the break here and look ahead to Phoenix and why this coming race can be very important at the short track, I guess kind of short track, flat one mile track out in Avondale, Arizona coming up this weekend. Hang with us. More Flag to Flag on the way in just a minute. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640, your home for NASCAR in the Palm Beaches. I'm Jeremy Kaufman. Suits from the KPJ Show, 97.9 WRMF. Krista Chaplidian here with me, our, or my co-host that we have in here every single week. And, you know, we're talking Ryan Blaney. You know, uh, Martin Tricks Jr., we were saying how frustrated he was during the course of the race. Ryan Blaney, man, I mean, he's got a real reason to be frustrated. I don't think you can get any more frustrated. <laughs> well, let's look at the Daytona 500 finish to start it off. You know, I mean, what a rough day it was for Ryan Blaney with the Ryan Newman incident. Um, you know, Las Vegas didn't quite go their way. And now here we are at Auto Club. And while I'm not sure Ryan Blaney had something for Alex Bowman at the end, he was the second best car by far. The 12 and the 88 were the class They of the were field. up at the top, yeah. Yeah, I believe Ryan Blaney led 50-something laps. Uh, so, I mean, that combined, the two of them led three quarters right. of the race. Now... Ryan Blaney was looking like he was going to get a great second-place finish, which was a well-deserved run. We know, though, the Auto Club Speedway, it beats up tires. This is the oldest surface in the sport. It has never been repaved. I believe 1996 was when this track was built. So we're talking about a 24-year-old surface here, which is one of the reasons why the racing is so good. Right. You know, let them go as far as you can until potholes start coming before you repave these tracks. I'm a huge believer in that because that's what creates such great racing. Right. I love the fact that the surface is so old there. That being said, it eats up tires. And you saw guys that were splitting these stages right down the middle, and they were more worried about what's my tire run than my fuel run. Mm -hmm. Well, we went pretty much caution-free in stage one, had one questionable caution in stage two for Clint Boyer and a flat tire. And then the final run was 20 laps longer, 80 laps in stage three. We went caution-free. So you're asking 10 more laps or so out of the tires on each run. Ryan Blaney had a considerable amount of cording late in the run, and he could feel that tire coming yeah. apart. Did you see it out of the back of the car? Yeah, he had a piece that was actually hanging like back, so that's how close flying. he was to that tire right. shredding. Right. Uh, you know, a piece of the rubber had started to unwind. Strip it, yeah. So he had no choice but to pit, and when we're talking within five laps to go, to pit and, and fall all the way back. And he's up at the front. Second place, yep. and comfortably in second. He wasn't going to catch Alex, and he probably wasn't going to be caught. 
Even if he tried to slow up as much but as man, humanly possible. second place over anything. Just, just <laughs> like, a heartbreaking day. And Ryan Blaney just cannot catch luck to start the season. And they have been really good. That's what just makes it so rough for that team. It's not like, okay, we're running up front, yes, but we didn't really deserve to be here. And then right, we got wrong. caught in something and got, got by. Yeah, yeah, we're one of the best cars here. And we just can't stop having issues. What a, a disappointing outcome for Ryan The interview Blaney. at the end when he was like, yeah, n- no frustration here. I was like, oof. Like, you know it is. I know, but, but it he's was holding the sarca- himself together, right? You know, and yeah. Look, he, he's being sarcastic, of course, but for the most part, you know. Uh, and I, I believe it was Jeff Gluck who was tweeting this out, and I thought it was interesting because they talked about, you know, Martin Truex Jr. He gave an interview, and you know, he was frustrated. He didn't mm-hmm. walk away, he didn't storm away. Ryan Blaney came to the media bullpen. He was asked by NASCAR, and he wasn't required to do that because you only need the top ten that are required to go there. He didn't finish in the top 10. And as frustrated as he was, rightfully so, he came and he gave the interviews. And that's what I want to see out of these drivers. That's what makes Ryan Blaney so likable, is that even though you're frustrated, you show respect to the media, because at the end of the day, they're the link to the fans. Right. You know, when you blow them off, and you're blowing the fans, off the fans. So we have no NASCAR. Absolutely. So I thought it was great to see that. Yeah, you know, show your personality. Be mad. You know, don't disrespect the media people. But if you're mad, be mad. We like to see that. I don't mind when somebody gives an interview and they're sarcastic or they're, they're really frustrated, mm-hmm. but give us the interview. Don't be a, a baby to the reporter and storm away. Right, the you reporter know, I know had you're nothing mad. to do with, yeah. Yeah, you know, look, they got to ask the questions they got to ask. I know you don't want to hear them, but that's part of the gig, and right. that's how the fans get most of the information from you. So I, I give credit. And, you know, I, I don't think this was this weekend. It might have been last weekend, but shout out to these drivers. We have the best freaking um, accessibility. To these guys. I don't know if you saw that video on TikTok, Kurt Busch dancing with uh, two younger uh, fans that were at the race. I mean, think about what sport do you walk up to the hauler of one of the athletes and your two daughters are like, can you be in our TikTok video? And then Kurt Busch proves why he should never dance because my gosh, and I can't dance. Does he not have moves? He, He did not have moves. Oh, I'll have to see it. It's pretty funny, actually. He tried. He tried. But good sport, which is what I love about everything here. And that, that that's really what... um. I give credit to Ryan Blaney and Martin Tricks Jr. for putting the frustration aside and giving the fans the time when they didn't necessarily have to so that we could see kind of went on went on through their minds mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, Ryan Blaney, I think, will be in victory lane shortly. I think that's a safe bet because yeah. you can only have bad it, luck for so I long. I was just about to say it's only going to go, hopefully, for a little longer if it didn't end yesterday. We're hoping for you, Ryan. Hopefully you can get that win uh Sooner rather than later, That'll we'll see cool what they can do out this Homestead. weekend. Yeah, that'd be nice to see Ryan Blaney out there at Homestead. But yeah, that's coming up, too. That's I mean, in our own backyard. March 22nd, we're going to be right down here. So we're closing yeah. in. Remember that? They moved that date. It's kind of a... i got to get myself retrained on that, that we got Homestead coming up in just a couple of weeks. A um, couple of weeks for Homestead. This weekend, we're going to be heading out to Phoenix Raceway in Avondale, Arizona. Now, this is big for a lot of reasons this particular race. And normally we go to Phoenix. It's not like we're going in here saying, all right, this is a big, big race. One, we have a brand new package. Last year, the short track races were a big topic of discussion, especially uh, Phoenix Raceway as the penultimate round of the championship. A fairly lackluster show, as some people were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So NASCAR went to work and they said, okay, look, this low downforce package that we have, which I know some people want to bash it. it. It seems to be producing good racing on the larger tracks. Case in point, check the NASCAR stats this morning. There were nearly 4,000 green flag passes during the course of that race. And you can't say it was all restarts because there were only three restarts. Right, right. Um, or I guess with the start of the race, four. But 
This weekend, we have a completely different package. More horsepower, I believe, but the big thing is there's going to be a lot less downforce in these cars, and I saw a picture of one of them. That spoiler, we had that massive spoiler on the car these last few weeks. It is tiny on these cars, which is what I want to see. We're taking the downforce out. This is a package, though, we're going to see multiple times throughout the year. This is the first time we get to see this in action. We're going to get it, you know, at Phoenix, at Martinsville, at New Hampshire, Bristol, Mm -hmm. Richmond, all these short tracks that maybe did not have the kind of racing that we're accustomed to in the past. I think of Martinsville, you know, we've mentioned it before, but both times that we ran at Martinsville last year, the leader led over 400 of the 500 laps. Right. So passing was difficult. Yeah. Um, So I'm hopeful for this package. First, that's the most important thing right off the bat that we're going to see right away. Because this is your first chance to get your uh, look at a package that's going to carry through. Here's the other side of this, though. Phoenix is the new championship racetrack. New package, new title race, and this is your first chance. In a long time, we know we haven't had a racetrack that had two dates host the championship since 2001. Homestead Miami Speedway has been a single date, always at the end of the season. You didn't get a chance to see that track in that season before you went there. This is the first time you get this. New package, you get to be at Phoenix International Raceway. How important is this weekend going to be for these drivers? I think it's going to be huge because you're going to get like a pretest, basically, like you said. It, it's, it's huge. It really, I think that this is going to be the most important race at Phoenix in a while because, like you said, you're, you're going to get to simulate this as if it's your championship race. Right. You're going to get a look at this you're package. You're going to get to test everything out. And we know before they call us out for it, Tracks are very different when you go different months of the year. That is understandable. But we get a look at a track that also has been repaved recently, so it doesn't change quite as much when you have a repaved surface Mm -hmm. um, for this weekend in Phoenix, Arizona. And then let's look down the championship road, though. Our playoff looks vastly different this year. Well, this new package is going to be on short tracks and road courses, right? In the playoffs, round one's going to have Bristol. You're going to have Dover right before the playoffs, That's going to have this package. Um, We have Richmond uh, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's going to be on the package. Um, You literally have tons of chances. The Roval. Yeah. That's going to have that package. It's in the playoffs. And let's not forget, too, not only is Phoenix the finale, but the penultimate race to make the championship for is going to be Martinsville this year, which is going to have this package as well. So it's so important to learn from this, especially, you know, these next two months, we are going to hit... Phoenix this weekend, Bristol, Richmond, um, and Martinsville. That's every single, like you just said, that's every single track that you can get this down to a T. That you can get experience. Now, there are some very key differences, though. Number one, and they did this for pretty much every one of them, Bristol, Mm -hmm. Richmond, and Martinsville. If they're a night racer, um, you've got two day races right here. Bristol's day, Richmond's day, Martinsville's night. When we come Mm -hmm. back around to the playoffs, Bristol's night, Richmond's night, Martinsville's day. So it does throw a wrench into that part of it. But, you know, I really think that this is going to be a good first look, if not at the individual tracks, at how the setup is going to perform. Mm -hmm. Daytime and nighttime setups. What are the temperatures going to be? Maybe we'll get lucky. You'll have some similar temperatures at these races to other daytime races. I think it's going to be a big deal. And I think this is crucial for NASCAR as a whole. Because our championship race is going to look probably like what we have this weekend. Mm -hmm. And all of those short tracks are what people love. And we're going to see if they're going to be better this year. And I'm optimistic. I think this is the right way to go with this package. Cutting the downforce out, I think, is going to do much better on the short tracks than the high downforce package. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, we're going to just have to wait and see it in transition, but I, I think the same. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, big deal this weekend. We are closing in. The good news, this time when we're in the desert, the weather is supposed to be good. Stop. <laughs> Looks good right now. I believe we only have a 10, 20% chance of rain, something low. And by the way, big thank you to Mother Nature. I don't know how we got that race in at Auto Club Speedway yeah. this weekend. I mean, I was sitting there going, all right, let me write my email to the bosses that we're going to have to do the show on Tuesday <laughs> because, yep, yeah, it's not going to happen. And we started on time with no rain delays, and it looked really rough mm-hmm. at the drop of the green flag. So nice to get that in there. Hopefully, at one point, one of the driver's cams, I actually thought it was starting to sprinkle. It was raining, actually, yeah. in the race at certain points, especially early on. But it was just a light drizzle, and what right. really helped... It was really windy, so it was helping to blow this blow stuff it, off the yeah. track, and we were talking like 25-mile-an-hour winds, and then well, I don't think anybody really expected, because the rain chances are supposed to get worse throughout the day, we had sunshine come out, and then that affected the handling of these cars in a way that I don't think these guys were expecting to have <laughs> to deal with out there because it was so overcast. Right. So th- there you go, a whole nother element and a wrench thrown into this whole situation, Um And luckily, the weather is good at Auto Club today, too, because we are not done on track. Everybody left except for William Byron. He is there testing the next-gen car this weekend. More work going into this thing, and we're getting closer and closer to seeing maybe uh, the manufacturer fronts. Yeah. This is potentially the biggest thing that we're going to see in NASCAR in a while. Yeah. Every time I, like, see stuff on it, I'm like, oh, come on. The car (laughs) looks cool. I I like the car. Um I really think it's it adds so much more sportiness to it. It looks, I mean, look, we're, we're not talking about a real stock car. No, right. I know people are going to come at me because they always do. It's not stock. It's not a fully stock car. But you can't tell me this car doesn't look, um, at least with the rims and stuff on it. Right. And I can tell that we haven't seen the manufacturer. We don't know what they're going to look like when they're designed to look like the cars. This is a... Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a standard car with no manufacturer decals or designs to it whatsoever. But I can just tell by looking at it when the manufacturers get their hands on it, they're going to be able to make it look a little more stock. And I like that. And that's what I like about the rims because they look like real rims. Mm-hmm. What we have in the cars now do not look like <laughs> anything that you have on your car. Can you just tell me what those are, please? <laughs> they look nothing like it. I don't know. All. Can't answer. <laughs> Although, I mean, that would be kind of weird if you had, I think, those rims on a car. I, I would catch my attention for sure. It would definitely be, it would catch me off guard. That would be a conversation piece. But that's another piece of the car you look at. It's like, okay, this doesn't look very stock. Right. You know, and hopefully we get a little bit more of that with this car. NASCAR putting a lot of work into it. Um, the other changes that I know we're looking forward is this 2021 NASCAR schedule. A, a lot of talk over it. We're supposed to see it soon. Um, April 1st. Now, Steve Phelps set that as his personal deadline Mm -hmm. for that schedule. And a lot of people want to see some new stuff on the schedule. Uh, The big talk has always been about, at least over the last year, the Nashville Fairground Speedway. Mm -hmm. Man, how great would it be if we got that back? (laughs) I can just imagine. (laughs) Working on redoing it. You know, Nashville was one of the higher markets for the Daytona 500, so they have. Right. NASCAR fans out there, the debate with the soccer stadium, a lot of stuff going on right there that is really up in the air. But we're really wondering, okay, what's the schedule going to look like? Are we going to see it on April 1st? Are we going to have new venues? What is it going to be? Um, this is just from a little while ago, a tweet to uh, Bob Pockris, who we know Bob is one of those guys that if there's a story out there in the garage, he He's, will hunt yep. it down. <laughs> um, 
He says uh, NASCAR self-imposed a deadline for the April 1st date on the 21 schedule could change. Phelps said at Daytona, do I think we'll have new venues in 2021? That's a good possibility. Nothing has been determined. When I feel comfortable, um, he said, when I feel comfortable with more accuracy, I'll dive into more detail. But right now, that's all I have. And I'm not going to speculate any information on the schedule, what it's going to be. The, the other part of that, NASCAR has been talking about street racing mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I actually am like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. I know some people are already mad about be it because crazy. it's so different. Um, NASCAR talked to a couple of venues. What do you think, though? Do you like the concept of NASCAR, like we see in IndyCar, a NASCAR street race? It would be fun to see, but to bring it, like, regularly, I don't see it. Because, you know, we had the same conversation with the Roval. And it turned out to be pretty good. You know, I I wasn't sure if I liked the Roval. And we have another Roval this year. Right. You know, uh, um, IndyCar, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is going to be having the Roval race for the Xfinity cars on the same weekend as the Brickyard 400 Oval race. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pennzoil 150 going to be taking place on that Roval uh, outline. So it, it definitely seems to have piqued NASCAR's interest, and it seems to have put on an exciting race both years that we've had it at Charlotte, switch things up a little bit. Who knows? Maybe this street race could be interesting. Personally, I'm not sure what I'm going to get out of this, like if I'm going to feel good or not, because these street courses normally narrow. These are big stock cars. They're I, heavy. Let, I don't know if it's going to work. Right. But that being said, let's do it. Let's try it. That's I, what I, I mean. It would be everything. fun to see it, but but long term, I don't... Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment because I was unsure about a few things that NASCAR changed. And at the end, I'm like, you know, I, I actually think this looks pretty good. The Roval, right. I did not really like the idea of. But... I enjoyed both races there. I thought these, man, these were good shows. So who knows? Maybe this would provide to, or, uh, prove to be a exciting race that we didn't expect. That's something that, based on, I mean, it's tough to speculate. I feel like they're seriously considering this. Now, here's the story that perked everybody's ears up. And this has nothing really behind it yet. It came from, I believe, Fox 46. They're an affiliate in the, the Carolinas. Um, there is talk about maybe trying to bring back North Wilkesboro. Hmm. How amazing would that be? Now, a lot of work needs to be done on the Speedway, but apparently officials locally have reached out to Speedway Motorsports, Inc., which is the same um, company that is trying to work, you know, they own Bristol, trying to work with the fairgrounds. So now the people over there are like, hey, maybe we could try to do this with North Wilkesboro as well. And if there's one racetrack on the calendar that everybody keeps trying to scream, they want back, it's North Wilkesboro. Yeah. I would love to see that happen. For me, I would think it's so great. I, I look feel at like the tracks. that will bring NASCAR to a whole different level. Now, I'm not holding my breath. No, right. There's a lot of work that needs to be and done. And there was no Wilkes confirmation yeah. or anything. I mean, if you've seen any pictures recently, this is compared to any other places. We need work at North Wilkesboro. Right. But could you imagine if we could get North Wilkesboro back, if we can get the Nashville Fairgrounds to work, and then again, they're working on Rockingham. That would be great if we can get Rockingham Speedway back. And I'm kind of glancing around. I did a little research on the older venues Mm -hmm. that used to be on the Xfinity calendar and the truck calendar to see, okay, which one of these are still around that we could maybe go back to? Memphis. Memphis Motorsports Park. I love that place. That track is still running, and I believe it's still an asphalt track. Mansfield was turned to a dirt track, which, you know, doesn't necessarily mean we can't bring the trucks there because we have Eldora. Mm -hmm. Um, This one's probably a, a tough sell. Because I don't think they have safer barriers in place. But Pikes Peak International is still open out there in Colorado. That's a fun little really? place we used to see. Yeah, it's still open. 
They used to hold uh, Xfinity wow. races and truck races. Even IndyCar was out there for a while. I'd kind of like to see that. And I, I feel like next year... We talk about new venues. Iowa Speedway should be on the cup schedule. It's owned by NASCAR. They've got a decent uh, grandstand capacity for the current state of NASCAR. It's a short track, and it's out in a market that we really don't have a ton, I think, for NASCAR in the Mm -hmm. Cup Series. I think that's easy no-brainer that we should have on the schedule All of those are, I guess, yeah. All of those would be awesome contenders just for the sport itself. I feel like all all of those would bring NASCAR back. Back well, we need to get back to the roots. That's what everybody says, and I think right. that that's exactly would, what we're looking for. bring the sport back up. And we need to shake it up. You know, people talk about dropping some of the tracks. Honestly, I don't think we need to drop our venues that we have. I, I think just we need add to different stop. ones I, We add in venues. The mix. Yeah. I think that most of these tracks don't need two dates. That's where the problem comes in. Right. You know, we can cut probably 10 races by and taking take away. take them elsewhere. Yeah. You know, uh, Las Vegas, cut the date. Kansas, doesn't need a second date. Um... You know, uh, just trying to go through, you know, there's so many tracks on there that have the second date. Um, you know, I look, I'm going to say Dover. I love Dover, but the performance hasn't been there recently. Cut Dover. Um, cut the second Richmond, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, we just haven't seen the performance there. You know, cut the second Michigan. There's no reason for two Michigans. We did it with Auto Club. Let's cut that. There were plenty of tracks when you go through. Keep the doubles at Daytona and Talladega because they're unique, and that only gives us four plate tracks a year. Um, Bristol, I like having two dates at, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the spring one get the axe. Because the attendance has been atrocious. Right. Um, we can cut that. Keep to it, Martinsville, though. And honestly, if they're going to do one thing, bring back the 400-miler for uh, Darlington in the spring. You think? I think we need two Darlingtons. That place always puts on a good show, and it was packed for the Southern yeah, 500. Yeah, did. And it's a unique good. racetrack. That's what I like. You don't have another Darlington out there. It's not another yeah. intermediate. You know, it's unique. So that's my hopes for the 2021 schedule. A lot of stuff to keep looking at. What is going to happen? we got a big weekend coming up and all that uh, other stuff on the horizon. Hopefully, within a month or so, we will know what 2021 is going to look like. We talked about it last week. A bounty on Kyle Busch from Kevin Harvick. But... There's now more money Uh on the line. Yeah, more people are jumping in. We'll tell you what is happening there coming up in just a couple of minutes. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. What's going on, everybody? It's Suits from the KVJ Show on our sister station, 97.9 WRMF. Jeremy Kaufman here with you at Fox Sports 640. And Kristen Schiaffoletti in here with me as well. You can catch her on New Country 103.1. What hours are you on now, Kristen? 12 to 5. 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. You can catch Kristen there, keeping you company uh, in the overnights. And, of course, right here with me doing the stuff that we love, some NASCAR talk. And we have got an update on the bounty in a couple of different ways. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll get you caught up real quick. Kyle Busch won his seventh straight truck race, and he's only running five a year. So that's going back basically two seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, got the win there at California, or um, pardon me, at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and then um, won all five of his starts last year, and then the race before that dating back into 2018. Well, there was some hate on Twitter. Kyle tends to get that from time to time when he wins these races. <laughs> and Kyle Larson, actually, I think is the one that started this. He tweeted out the cherry emoji and picking. So basically he's like, oh, okay, he's, he's cherry picking what he wants. I'm like, all right. Shots fired. Well, Kevin Harvick, who used to own a team there, comes back in and says, you think it's easy? I challenge any of you cup drivers to get in a truck, and if you beat him heads up, I will give you $50,000. Then uh, Marcus Lamont, the CEO of Gander, came in and said, all right, I like it. I'll match it. $50,000. So it's a hundred grand. If a cup driver can beat Kyle Busch in one of his starts, he'll be on track at Atlanta, Homestead, and Texas. 
uh, before uh, taking a little bit of a break for the Triple Truck uh, Challenge and returning at Kansas May 30th. Two drivers, though, we know are now taking the challenge on. GMS Racing, great team in the truck series. They're one of the best ones out there, have signed for Atlanta, the next truck race, which is not this weekend, but the following weekend. Mm -hmm. Chase Elliott, hometown boy, he's going to take on Kyle Busch. And then the following weekend, we know he's good at Homestead Miami Speedway. We always talk about him. Kyle Larson going to take on Kyle Busch. He better take on Kyle Busch. Two GMS ones. I mean, he's the one that called him out. That's what I'm saying. He better he better stand up. He Put better your money them. where your mouth is, Kyle. <laughs> exactly. Cherry picking. Let's go see if you can cherry pick when you're in there. Right. Here's my question. Is Kyle Busch going to get beat? No. No? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, <laughs> I don't mean to be pessimistic. Right, right. But at the same time, like we said last week, you know, it's like Kyle's in this truck. Clearly... He's been dominating. The dude knows what he's doing. And he's always dominated lower divisions when there were and, more cup drivers in Right, it. and then you're going to just, like, randomly, oh, okay, I'm just going to race this one, and fingers crossed. Here's like, my thing, right? I look at Kyle Busch. I believe Chase Elliott ran a truck race last year. These guys show up in the truck series every now and then. When I looked at those races, do you know who won them? <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Busch. <laughs> so, I, I love it. I just don't know. That's what I mean, though. Like, the, the guys are coming in just here and there. Like, it's not... Like Kyle, who's got everything under his wing and he knows what he's doing a little bit more. Yeah, and you know, the, the one big debate that, that comes up uh, about this again is, I thought we all hated cup drivers in these lower divisions. Everybody's like, get in there and battle Kyle. I think this is a unique circumstance. I think it would be fun to I, just yeah. see. And, and honestly, I like the five race limit. Mm-hmm. You get the mix. So I don't have a problem, honestly, with these guys coming in and running a few races. I really don't. And I think it'll get some extra eyeballs on the truck series. And who knows? In this situation, they get in there. Someone tunes in to watch. You know, somebody does something on the track from the regulars in the series. Somebody else wins other than Kyle Busch. That, of course, too. That's going to be a headliner. <laughs> but, you know, maybe you see something. Maybe there's some kind of an argument. And you take one of the driver's side. Now you got a truck series favorite. you got a truck guy you don't like. Right. Who knows? And then maybe you tune into the series a little more. Right. Um, the other thing is there is another $50,000 sitting out there. From who? Did you hear that? We have more money. Oh, no. And, you know, I kind of thought, it's like, well, what happens if a truck regular wins? This is going to get out of hand. <laughs> and by the way, you know, NASCAR says, you know, with tracks offering special bonuses, they have to be approved through NASCAR. Mm-hmm. But um, this is not really a track. Right. And NASCAR has said, hey, How about it's cool. it? <laughs> do what you want. We're not going to stand in the way of this. So that's really awesome. Uh, but taking a look at this, um, the CEO of Halmar, which is the, the uh, company that's a major backer of Stuart Friesen and the 52 team. Mm-hmm. He said, you know what? You got all this money for a cup regular to win. Well, you know what? If a truck series regular can beat Kyle, I'll throw 50 grand to them, too. Because all the money was on cup guys. And it happens. You know, we've seen these guys beat Kyle before. So now all those regulars out there have $50,000 on the line if they can beat (laughs) Kyle. He was frustrated last week with the bounty being put on him. And that was, I think, before the the hundred grand. Like, the, oh, no. This is going to be fun to watch. (laughs) He's. He's got Mark the whole track on him right now. Mark it on your calendar. <laughs> Not this weekend, but Kyle Busch is going to be in the next three consecutive weeks with the Truck Series, all Friday nighters. Uh, or, pardon me. Um, we have the doubleheader at Atlanta on sun, uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that's, that's early on in the day, but we'll see him racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway and then Friday night at Homestead the following week and then Texas Motor Speedway the following week again. And we know he's going to be challenged at least wow. two of those by a cup driver. Some great stuff coming up. Can they take down Kyle Busch? Will they get the money? The truck regular one (laughs) threw me for a loop. 
Yeah, well, you know, I thought about that. I'm like, what if a truck, truck guy does that's it? That's, that's more impressive. Crazy. No, right. But that also means, like I said, the whole track is against you. Everybody <laughs> out there has one goal. Beat Be Kyle, Kyle Bush. Bush. I can't wait. Oh. Great racing coming to the truck series here. Hopefully, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see if the ratings climb at all on those races, see if this gets a little bit of traction, a little bit of attention. Um, and uh, before we start to wrap this thing up, of course, it is worth noting, big win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series 300 mile with the Production Alliance Group 300 on Saturday. The first career win for Harrison Burton. Man, I got to say, Kim Burton, his mom, I thought it was bad when Jeff Burton was in the car. Oh, my gosh. Is, I mean, I can feel the stress just watching her. So congratulations to 19-year-old Harrison Burton. That's awesome. First career win for Joe Gibbs Racing right there, uh, winning the race at uh, Auto Club Speedway in California on Saturday and getting themselves into the playoffs as well. Um, I got to say, I had a better week in fantasy. I did. I came very close to leading. Now, Uh, now you still have our overall points lead from the previous weeks. You did not have as good of a day, though. Right. No, Um, because I... My one Kyle driver. Larson tanked yeah. you. I had to put in my garage pick, which was Jimmy Johnson, which ran well. But I used a lot of good guys, so I used. I, I don't know. That's not going to pay off for me well later in the season. But I had a good points day. I, I came in second to Lee sixty two, grabbed the win there, and welcome to our newest member. Big suits is real. Love the uh, pick. If you don't know what that is on the KVJ show, Jason, uh, if you're listening on Fox Sports 640, you're like, what the hell is that? Uh, Jason always says Bigfoot is real. So creative username. I like it. Keep joining, playing with us. Have some fun. All you got to do is go on NASCAR.com. It's a free account for their uh, fantasy and then join the flag to flag as our league. Big Suits is real. Big Suits is real. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I, I love it. Let's <laughs> have some like fun out here. just like sitting here like cheesing at you. <laughs> <laughs> so jump on in. Uh, give it a shot. Uh, we're having some fun with it. Uh, every single week you can play the game with us, NASCAR.com and join the Flag to Flag Fantasy League. As for this weekend, here is what we got going on. Uh, I, I'm really watching Haley Deegan in ARCA. I'm excited by all that. Got a race for ARCA this weekend, and it's a, uh, was it, the Suix Challenge Series. So um, there's about 10 of these races, an independent championship. Fast. No, I don't think I, I, don't think I oh said it right gosh. once. Um, but so we're on that one, and that means that the um, Arkham, or Arkham Menard Series East and West drivers are going to be able to go into the ARCA race and take a challenge there, and there's oh. going to be an individual secondary points championship to see who can be the best of all three. So, exciting championship there. Uh, the General Tire 150 from Phoenix International or Phoenix Raceway, 7 p.m. on FS1 Friday night. Saturday, 4 p.m. on FS1, it's the LS Tractor 200. That is the NASCAR Xfinity Series, 200 laps there. And the race that we just talked quite a bit about, going to be a big deal this weekend to see how this package performs, to get a, a look at how this package races at the track that we will come back for a championship settling race in November. It is the Fan Shield 500, 3.30 p.m. on the big network. Network Fox is going to have coverage of that one. Thank you so much for hanging with us. A quick reminder, you know, we got a lot of sports that we cover here on Fox Sports 640. The Panthers going to be on next few Monday nights, so we are going to be on the podcast. You can get that on FoxSports640.com, the Flag to Flag Facebook page, or anywhere that you get the KVJ podcast. Thanks for hanging with us on your Monday. Enjoy the racing action, and we will catch you on the podcast next week.